And in the meantime, I'm trying to tell you we're coming in too fast. I think they know it, and I think that's why we don't have a goddamn re-entry plan. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all humankind. Your hosts here in England. Matt Russell and Chris Carney. Hey, have have some of this. Swig it. <laughs> it's a big old pint. <laughs> John Leonard or Jack Swigert Jr. Yes. Who was born on this day, August the 30th, 1931. But of course, he's most famous for being the uh, command module pilot of Apollo 13. Of course. What a palaver. Mm. Yeah, I think a palaver, very much so. Basically, he was saying to Jim Lovell that he thought they were all going too fast, and he was very worried that on the way back they were going to hit the Earth's atmosphere, skip off, never to be seen again. Oof, what a way to go. That'd be awful. It's a bit like if you were sort of swinging from one tree to the other, yeah, and you just you don't quite grab the branch of the tree and then you fall into the ravine. Yeah, but the ravine happens to be in the infinity of space. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it would be so... Well, I suppose you'd still end up in orbit around the sun, but it would be pretty... Well, it's it's game over. It's game over, very isn't it? Way. I mean, that's the thing. If, yeah. you, don't, if you don't manage yeah. to re-enter, you're never getting back. Mm. And yeah that just it all again just points towards how incredible these people were and yeah the possibilities of, of what could happen you know it's not the days now which is like you know oh we're going to space it's no biggie <laughs> it's just like oh we're coming back from the moon and we're not sure if we're going to be able to get home basically pretty hard yeah the old space malarkey <laughs> it is Space malarkey. We've had malarkey and palaver, and it's only, we're only two minutes in. <laughs> You've joined me for a Space News Week I episode. Love it. Space News, Space News. It's the best. I confess this is going to be a very short episode because I'm on holiday, Chris. Yeah, holiday time. I hope you're there. I hope you've got a little hanky on your head and you're in a deck chair with your little, little uh, sandals. Yep. I put my Union Jack flag on the deck chair to stop the Germans getting it. <laughs> Take that, Klaus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's what is exactly what's happening. You've pictured me absolutely correctly there, Chris. Yes. That's, that's an Englishman on his holidays. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, happy holidays, Matthew. And let's, uh, let's get some space mm. news into the world, though. Let's get some space news. Well, I thought an interesting one was the, um, the illness that happened in space this week. Oh, Really? Or, well, they were supposed to be, a, yeah, they were supposed to be an EVA or a spacewalk, as they're commonly known. Yep. On for Expedition sixty five by Aki Hoshida and mm. Mark Vanderhei, and they were supposed to uh, go out and uh, start prepping the International Space Station for for some bits late yeah. that will arrive next year to basically up the power of the International Space Station for new solar arrays. Right. There's no real rush on it, and apparently Van der Heij was just a little bit too poorly to go ahead and do the uh, EVA, oh. so they've postponed it. Bit under the weather. What, what was it? Was it, the, was it the sniffles? They didn't. I don't. Well, I haven't seen them specify what it is, and I guess there is some kind of pe- patient 
confidentiality there, isn't there? I, I suppose we, you know, we it's none of our business, really. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it, I don't think it's anything serious. If it was serious, obviously they would have um, brought him down. Uh, mm. NASA basically said it is not a medical emergency. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I, I don't think it's just. I think it just sounds very cautious. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you can't be t- like. I mean, it's such an intense thing to have to do. So even if it's the slightest bit of illness, you don't want to be sending someone out for eight hours or mm. however many hours it's going to be to do really intense work and important work that you can't get wrong. Yeah, no, exactly. But I mean, it, you know, this this wasn't time critical anyway. It was like I said, it was this thing called a modifi- modification kit. Yeah, that was which was for this irosa. I-R-O-S-A, the ISS Rollout Solar Array, mm. which is going to increase when it does arrive, which it, which it won't arrive until next year anyway, this thing. So it's not exactly, you know, imminent. So this was just get... You know when you do things to just get them out of the way so that it doesn't impact on other things? Yeah. It was kind of like that. So, you know... Good it's, call. Uh, it's good call, I think. Good call. Good calls. But, but they haven't been able to do it, so... Um, that they're leaving it till later, but it will increase the power on the ISS by twenty to thirty thirty percent when it does. Whoa, thirty percent—that's like putting a supercharger on it. Yes. So there we go. Little bit of illness in space yeah. just goes to show, you know, that that you, you can't just do everything all the time. But there is—we talked about it before. I think it was—I think it was you went on the arrival of the Norca module. Mm. Yeah. Where. The Russians have to go out and do some really critical spacewalks, so I think they wanted to get these out of the way, yeah, so that the Russian, so that the Russian duo could go out and do their bit as well. Because I don't think that they all go out and do spacewalks at the same time. That's probably a big no-no. Yeah, I can't imagine that being a, a clever thing to do. No, so but that's pretty critical. That the Russians have got to go out and sort of get the European arm working. For one, <laughs> which is going to be a critical, <laughs> critical piece of equipment the to get fabled the fabled arm, the fabled arm, <laughs> the European arm, <laughs> the Canadians, the Canadians are all wiggling their arms, going ah, oh, European arm like that. You know, <laughs> I love it. It's got a little tattoo yeah. of the EU on it. You know, ah, oh, yes. <laughs> no, we won't have the EU. It will have ESA. Yeah. Don't get ESA and EU confused. I know, but I'm just saying that the Europeans can have whatever they want tattooed on their arms. And and, and I I might have that. I I might have ESA as well. I might also have, I don't know, a union flag. I wouldn't have a union flag tattooed on my arm. What the hell am I talking about? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you get the St. George's flag tattooed on your face. (laughs) It's the one thing that we're not allowed to do as English people is to to really show off our flag. Mm, I know, it's it's kind of sad mm. that we, we... it attempts to reclaim it are not really working out, are no, they? No, don't 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 really work, do they? No. Apart from when the football's on, we can just about get away with it then. Yeah. Um it's hard to erase that several a- hundred years of colonialism, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know. I know. But you know, wasn't anything to just just so any of the listeners, it was colonialism was nothing to do with me or Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a certificate that says we, we it had, no, I literally had nothing to do with it, honestly. <laughs> my my ancestors were in Ireland being colonialized. <laughs> uh, well, who knows where my ancestors were? Co- colonializing me. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I do seem to have quite a colonial ancestry. So let's move on. Move on. <laughs> move on. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, uh, right. Yes. Yes. Really cool news, though, is yep. James Webb oh, Telescope. James. Mm-hmm. That has finished testing. Amazing. So what was really cool is there was pictures this week of it all folded up, ready. You know, they're going to start readying it for launch. Yeah. It's done. It's tested. That's it. That Any amazing. mistakes that have been made are now baked in only to be discovered in the most horrific of circumstances. So <laughs> let's hope. It's like, let's hope. like that's never but, happened before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. La, 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 Hubble. <clears throat> but then even so... <laughs> So it's going to be very interesting. It's it's, uh, yeah, it's worth listening back to Mark McCorkran's, um interview for all the all the things that could happen with James Webb. We had a bit of a discussion with that, mm. so that that's really super interesting. So definitely worth going back a couple of episodes if you haven't heard that one. Yeah, um, but it's you know this is this has been described as a sort of generational uh, build. So this is almost like cathedrals were. Yeah. I mean, I get this is the the closest to a modern day cathedral, the James Webb Telescope, because it, it it's taken a generation to build, and thousands of scientists and thousands of engineers and you know billions of dollars of of expertise from Canada, Europe, and America have all been involved building this goddamn thing. Yeah, which is, you know, it just makes you realise just how what a big deal this thing is. Yeah. Absolutely, I'm, and I'm just so excited. And like, you know, it's it's just going to be once we start seeing these these results, and you know, it's going to be it's it's going to be fantastic. I mean, what what are we going to discover? What are we going to, you know, get get confirmed? Is just yeah, the prospects are yeah almost too exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so they they're gonna so they're gonna be like packing it all away. Mm. Uh, and then they're going to ship it to French Guiana, where the European space port is, mm-hmm. you know, where they launch all the East, where ESA launch all their vehicles from. Yeah. Specific, specifically in this case, the Ariane 5, of course. Yeah. Um, and so it's going to go to French Guiana along, I guess, uh, the Suez Canal. I was just going to say, <laughs> is, it all, is the way all clear? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Could you imagine? Can you imagine if that got in the way and then because of that delay, it got broken? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, but it's all clear, uh, though. It's yeah. all clear. Yeah, let's hope it's... It, let's just really hope that it's all clear. So, yes, it goes down the... I believe it goes down the Suez Canal and then it ends up at French Guiana. Then when it gets to French Guiana, the spacecraft gets actually loaded with its fuel. Mm. So I've seen this happen with Bepi Colombo. I've actually been there while they've been fueling up Bepi Colombo. But this yeah. is um, uh, this is hydrazine and nitrogen tetroxide, which are which are both unbelievably dangerous chemicals. <laughs> you don't want to get you don't want to get anywhere anywhere near those things. So it's very specialized job. Yeah. But that's the fuel that James Webb will use to stay in its orbit around this Lagrange point that it's going to. Yeah. So it's that in itself is hyper important that they don't accidentally put diesel in yeah. or something like that. You Definitely. know, like you do at the petrol station every now and then when you have to have your tank. Yeah. You know, you go, oh no, no I put, I've killed the I put engine. Put unleaded in instead of diesel. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it. 
I've done it while not thinking. Oh, um, no, which is which one's God. worse? There's one that's worse than the other, isn't there? Or do they both yeah, destroy do you know your what? engine? Well, I don't think they're very. I don't think it's good either way round. But no. I would have thought putting diesel in an unleaded is worse than putting unleaded in a diesel. But okay, I'll knows? bear that in mind. Yeah, if you, if you if you would bear that in mind next next time you make that mistake. Yeah, and obviously <laughs> it, it's it's much higher stakes with the billion. <laughs> multi-billion dollar James Webb telescope. Yeah. The, well, the, get this. So James Webb has had 14 countries involved, 29 wow. states of the of America have been involved, nine, tif, nine different time zones of all the of all the professionals that have worked on it, the scientists, engineers, etc., etc. It's incredible. That's astonishing, it? really, isn't it? It's, like it? it's a great description, that, of a cathedral. It's like a Sagrada Familia. You know, so does that mean that yeah. people as well have, have maybe done, you know, like work their entire careers on it? Yeah, I mean, they, they, I, I think potentially there's people whose career at the very early part of their career that they would have been talking about the James Webb, yeah. maybe not in the configuration that is now. Mm. And yes, would be reaching near the end of their careers now. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. I mean well it's you know it's it's undoubtedly a large chunk of a lot of people's careers and like yeah. this mark voiton who's the web observatory integration and test manager at goddard this is what he said he says to me launching web will be a significant life event hmm. so you know it's like 20 years of my life will all come down to that moment <laughs> no pressure mark ah uh. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I know, I know exactly. You just think with something like that that the this launch is this must be the most high-profile launch that the Europeans have ever done. Yeah, must yeah. be, mustn't it? That as in Ariane five, which is a rocket that's coming to the end of its life. You know, it'll be soon replaced by Ariane six, mm. and it is one of the most successful rockets of all time. By the way, in yeah. terms of it completely changed revolutionized uh, like commercial space yeah um which is in the same way that spacex are doing now which of course is making ariane 6 a little bit uh shaky but um it not in a uh, vibration way no hope let's hope let's hope let's hope ariane 5 isn't particularly vibratory oh god because <laughs> yeah there's like loads and <laughs> so, loads of those little packing chips you know the ones that are like they look like peanuts just loads of them. Oh, Just pack the, the the rocket with those, and the, 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 it'll be fine. And just put fragile, oh. put fragile on the sides of the rocket. <laughs> <laughs> this way up. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, because that's the other thing they've got to do at French Guiana is is like other than fuel it. If they've got to, there's lots of those um, remove before flight pins and things like that that yeah. are sort of all in in there that you know stop it from all collapsing out and stuff. So all of those have got to be removed. Yeah. Imagine the responsibility of just making sure that every single one of them is. Have you definitely remove them all oh, one I mean, left in and it's game over it's the ultimate that i leave oh. the gas on in it yeah oh my god did i remove that pin i can't sleep <laughs> so oh, hopefully man. and what what's good about this is that hopefully we are looking at a december launch mm. december 2021 is going to be one of the most exciting launches of all time and of course 
I, I of course I've been badgering Julio to to go and see it, but there's there's no chance. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's like the most oversubscribed launch possible. Of course. But I yeah. I will obviously be watching it on the telly, As which in I. some ways is is some ways better. Yeah, you get to see more definitely, and it's not as <laughs> get noisy, to see more. You know what I mean? Man, all that noise. Ugh. Oh man. Oh, uh, exactly. I don't want to. I don't want to be made deaf or you know risk. Risk the old Ariane Five going. Hang a second, I might just change trajectory. And, um, I know, and right? Bomb. It's dangerous going to these things. So yeah, stay on your sofa, everyone. Watch it on the telly. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now, talking of rocket launches, I thought I'd cover a few rocket launches that are coming up because it yeah. does look like there's a kind of little spate this week of quite interesting little uh, launches. Cool. That could mean quite a bit. Yeah. So Astra have had this rocket called Rocket. <laughs> very i don't know how they came up with that name to be honest, mate, but with that, it, yeah. yeah the astra rocket uh, the astra rocket uh this is rocket three which is so uh, rocket three is this uh is a type of rocket that can carry about you know a 25 to 150 kilograms into a sun synchronous orbit so mm. it's not a particularly big one it's a two-stage rocket but you know it's perfect for launching you know, very small CubeSats and things like that. So this is this is their Rocket 3, and this is 3.3, so this is the third one. And they came very close to getting into orbit with 3.2. Right. But this is 3.3, and it will be launching uh, up today when we're recording this. So it might all be over by the time this podcast comes out, that it was either successful or not successful. Oh, good. But anyway, luck, I wish, I, yeah, yeah, I definitely wish them a, uh, a lot of luck there because it would be awesome to have one more kind of launch vehicle that's capable of doing stuff. So that, that's that's interesting. Another interesting one is a, is tomorrow, and again, this will probably have all have happened by the time we uh, this goes to print. Yeah. Is um, SpaceX are flying a Falcon Nine, obviously with CRS twenty three, the commercial resupply mission number twenty three, mm-hmm. and that's uh, that obviously is taking a bunch of stuff up to the ISS, um, but it's also got a big sort of ride share of lots of satellites that it's taking as well, oh. including the the Eleanor 37 mission, which is NASA's kind of educational small satellite um, uh, missions that carry lots of little small satellites for ed, uh, universities and stuff like that. But I noticed that on that little ride share, there is a UK satellite called Amber IOD3. Okay. Now... This looks quite interesting. It's it's kind of it's clearly got a bit of a kind of military bent to it, mm. and it's a little bit secret. So it's uh, it the company that makes it, which is Horizon Space Tech, they make um, uh, spy equipment basically for drones. Cool. <laughs> uh, and and what they do is it, it tracks satellite phones and and stuff like that. Um, and and what they what they're trying to do with this satellite. And this is just a demonstration satellite, is to use it to track ships in the ocean. Oh. And one of the things, yeah, now this, it's quite interesting. There's, and this comes up in sci fi quite a lot, where spacecraft have got their transponders on yeah. and they have to have their transponders on and stuff. Well, ships are exactly the same. They have to have this automatic identification system, AIS, transponders, right? They have, they have to have them on. So every single ship over a certain tonnage, or you know any ocean going vessel basically has to have 
this AIS transponder on. They have to have them. Yeah. But of course, lots of ships that are being naughty Normans, <gasps> they 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 go and switch these things off to avoid detection so that you can't tell who they are and stuff. But what they're hoping this satellite can do is pick up any kind of electronic signals from navigation radar and satellite phones and stuff like that and then start tracking these vehicles in a different way. Ooh. And with six of these satellites, they they say that they've got worldwide coverage. Wow! So with, you know that's pretty impressive because we've got we've got an app that me and Kaya always use because we we have got a view of the river from our, our bedroom, so we always use this app to check what the ship is that's going past. <laughs> um, <laughs> but obviously, with this, you know, it's obviously about catching the ones that are not on there. Oof. What are they yeah. up to? What are they, what well, are these naughty Normans up to? They're just being military well, ships or pirates. No, no. I, a lot of it, I think, is to track. Well, it's to track ships that may be doing things like human trafficking and oh, stuff like that. Okay, right. So you know, a, a lot of it is humanitarian. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, human trafficking, illegal fishing, mm. those kind of things. Yeah. Okay. Spe- you know, particularly in very highly contested, you know. The fishing areas around the UK. Yeah, I'd imagine you know it's it's one of the most <laughs> busy places there is. So yeah, you know it's 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 something the UK government take really seriously. Yeah, but you know this 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 kind of satellite falls into a a type of satellite called radio frequency radio frequency mapping network satellite, and that that sort of um, system has become really really popular so i guess if you wanted to start investing in something is having a look at companies that are doing this sort of thing because that's sort of cropping up all over the place where you're sort of tracking radio signals i guess from space to generate even more data about everyone and what they're doing etc etc so this is becoming a really popular area of of um commercial space i think okay RFM, I'll remember RFM networks. RFM networks. Remember, yeah. Well, the, the other, the other interesting thing about this, of course, it's 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 going up to the International Space Station. Mm-hmm. So I believe that this satellite gets launched by the NanoRacks system from the so it gets deployed from the International Space Station. Right. So it's not like deployed from this rocket; it's deployed from the space station i was just wondering that if it's like oh can you drop us off on the way sort of thing but it just comes straight yeah there. no it's straight there and then and then yeah there's a bunch of satellites that will get deployed by the nanorack system right and maybe other systems that are on board the international space station um another interesting thing about this is that uh old dicky pickles yeah sir richard old richard branson he is investing he's invested in this company and he's invested in lots of other companies like this in exchange for contracts uh for launching on virgin orbit right so maybe after this tech demonstration the this these types of um satellites will actually be launched on virgin orbit that looks like it looks like it's going that and way and it may even be, a may even be launched it might be one of the satellites that's launched from the UK, from Newquay Airport via Virgin Orbit, so that could be that could be interesting when that happens. Oh, you should definitely go to that one. I mean, it's just a day trip. I, I am, de- I would, I am definitely going to that one. If I don't get invited to that one, I'd be fuming. I, 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 I will be fuming. 
<laughs> Please invite me. <laughs> anyway. He's a listener, isn't he? He's a friend of the show, Dickie Pickles. So yeah, just uh, put up a put up maybe a flare. May, maybe we can watch it with Dicky Pickles and 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 uh, have a little interview with him. Oh, I think we should have him. I think that would be amazing. I think we should get Dicky Pickles on the show if we can. That would be and, so good. And and introduce him as Dicky Pickles too. <laughs> He'd love that. And say, here we are with Dicky Pickles. <laughs> Sir he Dickie would, Pickles. He would you. definitely love it. <laughs> definitely love it. Not only did we have, well, are we going to have this uh, launch of Astra's Rocket 3? We're going to have a very similar vehicle in the first launch of the Firefly Alpha, mm. which is another of these commercial small sat launches. It's slightly bigger, though. It can, it can deliver a ton to low Earth orbit and 600 kilograms to sun synchronous orbit. So uh, next week, yes, we might see a launch of, yeah, Firefly Alpha, which will be taking 26 satellites into space still i just still don't know where they're putting them all yeah it's 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 getting very crowded up there yeah it's getting very <laughs> crowded up there and you know well, well you know we we could we could have maybe three or four months of a um space debris special yeah <laughs> but, just like, but yeah, it, there's there's a lot of there's definitely misleading stuff about space debris out there in the press at the moment. I saw a independent article about how we wouldn't be able to launch vehicles from the Earth anymore because the debris would be getting in the way, and I don't think that that's true. No, no, it's just I don't think that's true. Hype, hype. I think hype. it would have, that is a bit hype. Um, but here we go. This is going to be the last last story of the uh, podcast. I love this though. And that's it's a great story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a nice little science story to finish up with that I that's been doing the rounds this week, and that is mini Neptunes. Mini Neptunes, don't they sound like the cutest things ever? Ah, oh, they are. Well, we we kind of mentioned them on on the the um, the solar system podcast that I did with Lynn last yeah. week about how... Oh, it was a great episode, by the way. I loved it. Yeah, I, I, I loved it. I do, I, I, I love, I lo yeah, Lynn's just so great. And, Lynn's and everyone's favourite, the... isn't she? She is. I know. Sorry, Chris. I know. She's I my favourite as well. Chris. I don't even put myself in the room. She's too good. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, I would have thought I was everyone's favourite, but it mm. turns out no. Mm -hmm. but... Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the um, uh, yes, this is really cool because... Uh, although Lynn did point this out, that these larger planets, mini Neptunes they're called, seem to be very, very common out there in the exoplanet zooniverse. Yeah. Um, but it it's it might just be that they're more detectable. You know, it might just be they're the things that we detect more rather than it, them actually being more of them. Okay. But it is looking like that. It is looking like there's a lot of these things. Right, these mini Neptunes, and mini Neptunes are these ice giants that are that are much, 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 much bigger than Earth, but quite a bit smaller than Neptune, as yeah. their not as their name implies. So it, they're sometimes known as gas dwarfs or transitional planets. Yeah. So it's less less managed, less massive than Neptune, but it it's like Neptune in the fact that it's got this thick hydrogen helium atmosphere. Yeah. Um, what kind of layers mass are we, of ice. What, what kind of average mass are we talking about then? Um, I don't know. About one, about sort of two to four times bigger than the Earth. Yeah. But that might mean it's like ten times more massive if we're talking about the radius. Yeah. And then the mass obviously gets much much bigger than that. 
But here's the really cool thing that's that's happened with obviously people have been talking about these mini Neptunes for a long time, but everyone's assumed that they're not particularly habitable. But this new um, new paper that was uh, uh, done at Cambridge University seems to suggest uh, that it is. So this is uh, by Niku Madhusudan. Yeah, that's Niku Madhusudan. Uh, it's uh, et al. So that they have all been working at Cambridge University on this um, on this idea that these there's a certain type of uh, mini Neptune that is called Hycean, H-Y-C-E-A-N, Hycean Worlds. Hycean Worlds. Sounds amazing, that, doesn't it? Yeah. And they've got densities between sort of rocky super-Earths and this more extended mini-Neptune kind of uh, world. Yeah. Uh, and, And they might be absolutely optimal for the search for exoplanetary habitability. And not only that, we're talking about the James Webb Telescope. If the if, if these worlds really are habitable, in the next sort of three years, it might be that James Webb will actually pick up a reasonable signature for it, a biosignature. Right. That that we may might actually be able to confirm, yes, there looks like there is life on this planet. The big question. It really is the big question, isn't it? I mean, it, it's kind of, I mean, obviously, I, I, I think it's really important to, to to put the difference between finding life and finding intelligence, intelligent no, life. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I think, I do think that we're going to find life out there in the universe but in my lifetime. If it exists not, on another world, even even if it's just microbial life, we know then that life is not only limited to one planet and therefore intelligent or life even yeah becomes a lot and more wh- probable yeah if you find microbial life on mars it might just be that microbial life is only possible in our solar system but you find it outside of the solar system and then that really does start to kind of you know go whoa this is this is big isn't it well very, i'm very not big. going to sleep for 3 years so great these high sean planets, yeah. they've they've got a radius of about two point six Earth radii, right? Yeah, oh, um, which makes them ten times more massive than Earth, and they've been considering this habitable zone for a start off of these uh, particular mini Neptunes, and and their their habitable zone turns out to be lots bigger than that of a rocky planet like Earth. Right. In other words. It can be slightly closer to the star. It can be tidally locked, for example, mm. and you'll get this boiling hot, hot one side of the planet. But because these these high sean planets are basically small rocky cores covered in these massive oceans, basically they're complete ocean worlds. So they've got this massive ocean and then this really thick hydrogen atmosphere. Mm. Uh, and and so it looked like Neptune, but really there's this incredible planet going on underneath. And even if it's tidally locked, you could have life living in these vast oceans on the shady side of the planet. Yeah, right. Shady which life. is which is so shady life. Yeah. So <laughs> so you you could have 
uh, you could have, in other words, you could have planets pretty close to their parent star, and they were looking at stellar hosts that are from late M to sun-like stars. So quite a broad range of stars that this this exo these exoplanets could be round. And then they've pretty much got an unlimited outer boundary of the high, uh, of the habitable zone. So they could be really far out and able to uh, still have habitable conditions. So, you know, the, the fact that there's the fact that there's loads of these um, mini Neptunes, you know, the, the, the universe is abundant with these things. Yeah. Well, or I should say our galaxy is abundant with these things. And uh, the habitable zone is bigger. So it does seem that this is like a, a, a really decent <laughs> uh, place to start looking. But not only that, of course, because these things are much, much bigger, it's going to be easier to spot biosignatures in their atmospheres. Yeah. And, of course, the one telescope that is absolutely primed to do exactly that is the James Webb Telescope. Ba-ba. So the James Webb Telescope. Yeah. It's going to be going around doing exactly that, getting, uh, you know, spectrums of all these different uh, exoplanets that have been spotted and trying to have a look at the atmospheric composition of these planets. You know, as the, as the sunlight shines through the atmosphere you can get the signature of the const you know what 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 the atmosphere is made of yeah. you know you can actually start to build up this picture of what the atmosphere could be made of hmm. and if you and what you kind of look for is an atmosphere that would be impossible to maintain in equilibrium like that we're talking about the alien farts aren't we really exactly exactly so you have to have life being the only explanation for how you could have certain mixes of gases and and uh, and bits in there, a bit like the phosphine mm. um, detection on Venus, yeah, um, which turned out to be a bit of a false positive, I think. I really. know, but so, so just but and you think well, you, you, but I guess the good news about that is it's we've been able to 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 use equipment on Earth to to test our ability to work out the you know what makes up the atmosphere of another planet mm. from a distance and i suppose you know that that whole venus thing is a really good learning curve you know that it, that's how science works definitely so you know we should we should look at that and go this is this is really cool the fact that science does work the fact that there's this you know a call for detection and then other scientists get to work and say no it could have been this it could have been that and mm. then everyone goes ah let's calm down <clears throat> about this then the problem uh, is though hopefully- i think with the way things are reported you know it's always like it's it's like a sort of you know a lie lie goes around the world before the truth has time to put its socks on you know and it's not like it's a lie it's a false positive but the, the problem i've noticed especially when i'm going to schools is that children who are interested in space, they generally haven't seen the bit that's said it's not a positive. They've only seen the bit that says it is. So we're getting a lot of kids going, yeah. there's life on Venus. And I'm like, mm. you know, because they, they, obviously the story about it being possible gets hyped so much more than the one of it being, you know, a, a rethinker. You know, that's nobody cares about that one. So it's like the stuff on Mars. I still get kids saying to me, there's, there's micro, there's life on Mars, you know, and you're like, nah. <laughs> you know, it's not being confirmed. But yeah, it's it, it's just the way of the world, isn't it, though? People only want to believe the, the hype. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the hype story. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's the it's the fake news travels on the internet. Yeah, like what is it? Thirty times faster than than non fake news. It's just the nature of it. Yeah, yeah, completely. <laughs> and yeah, unfortunately, that that must apply to. But yeah, Lynn made this point as well. It, it's you know the the detection of life on other planets isn't going to come as a bang. It's going to come as this slow whimper because. Mm. There's going to be these scientific reports of, oh, yeah, this looks promising, and and then then it will get hyped up, and then there'll be scientists that are going, no, nah, it could be this, could be that, and that will rumble on for years until eventually everyone goes, do you know what? Yeah, this really is life. Yeah, yeah. So how, how however long that process takes, it, it won't be like a news story one day. Whereas there's life on another planet. Yeah. It's going to be, yeah. Scientists think there might be life on another planet. A year later, no, that, that that was a that you know they don't think that at all anymore. And then two years later, actually they do. And then four <laughs> or five years later, it is confirmed there yeah, is life yeah. on another planet. And everyone's it's just like, like so that bored whole... of it by then. Oh, you know, yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, news... but they said that. That's what scientists are saying all the time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, news is somehow <laughs> not compatible with scientific uh, yeah, method. It... <laughs> I, and I under I really understand that public thing about where where the public say, "Oh, scientists change their mind on things all the time." It's like, yeah, just that very statement does kind of show that you don't understand the scientific process. <laughs> yeah. But that, but but that's not their fault. That's not their fault that they don't understand the scientific process. No. It is the scientists and science communicators. So there we go. People, it, you know, people just need to do a better job. Hmm. Yeah. Better so job of it. What did my, my- Madhu Sudan said a biosignature detection would transform our understanding of life in the universe. We need to be open about where we find, uh, where we expect to find life and what form life it could take as nature continues to surprise us in often unimaginable ways. What a beautifully eloquent thing that they've said there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he, uh, he also said these high seeing planets open a whole new avenue in our search for life elsewhere. Not just a whole new avenue, but it looks like, you know, they open up a really easy, an easy and potentially rich vein of, you know, habitable planets. Of course, and, you know, it's we've really been focusing cool. on Earth like, you know, Earth like planets, haven't we? So that, that this is great. It's like, a, yeah, just a whole, yeah, a whole new avenue. It's just like a. Wow, and yeah, actually I mean, more abundant as well. But imagine what it, imagine what life could be like mm. on these vast ocean worlds. Mm. You know, you, you kind of think if the gravity's like bigger, and you're in, and they're in in these vast oceans, and with all this hydrogen and everything else, life is going to be very, very different. Yeah, it could be massive as well. You could get these whales that. are bigger than England or something like that. <laughs> or Whalians, as Jamie used to call them. Or Whalian. But Spodcast, if you'd like to draw a picture of what you think the aliens oh, look like. Oh, yes. That, <laughs> we, should, oh, we should definitely do that. Right, okay, on Twitter, I want to see everyone's drawing of what an alien might look like on a mini Neptune. <laughs> <laughs> the sillier the better amazing can you draw a whale right. the size of England for us <laughs> even though this was a mini episode uh, uh, Chris it seems to have gone on for quite a long time shall we, shall we let the spodcats go and, yeah. and enjoy their holidays yeah. too happy, happy bank holes to you all and have a wonderful uh, one Matthew it's been lovely uh, having a awesome. space news day with you again 
Oh, yes. Where, where should people go if they want the link to this news story? I think they should go to interplanetary.org.uk. Oh, yes. Job done. And if you want to join us on the Patreon and be a patron, join us on the Patreon and in the Discord, go to www.patreon.com forward slash interplanetary. Fabulous. Well, that does it for me. That does it for me, Chris. Shall we, shall we let them go? Yeah, let's go. Love you, mate. See you soon. Okay, here we go. Bye, bye, Spartans!